I'm not sure Doc Rivers is a great coach. Yo, it's the Average White Fan Podcast, and I'm your host, Scott Elmore, coming to you live from the studio here in Atlanta, or kind of in Atlanta. If you're in Atlanta, you know most places ain't Atlanta. But I'm here to talk NBA, hoops in general, maybe a little bit about life. We're just getting into the halfway point of the season. It's almost all-star break, and it's almost trade deadline. A lot of stuff's going to be popping off in the next week or so. But I'm here to talk about confrontation, right? Because at its purest, basketball is dudes going to the basket, going to the rack. Even if it's just leaning in on a jump shot, it's confrontation. Defenders come at you, you take it to them. And we like to talk about the finesse of the sport. And it's true. It's not football out there. But this is still a a sport that's about confrontation. And I think we've lost our aggression a little bit. As society as a whole, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm looking at the league now, and I've been watching some of these games. And if you follow me on Instagram, I put up a video recently, and it was basically Draymond going in, and he had a a layup against the guard, and he kicked it out to Steph for a three. Now, whether or not he made it wasn't the point. The point was, at some point, We've lost our aggressive attitude in this sport, and we've lost our minds about what we're going to shoot. Somewhere along the line, a 23-foot, 9-inch jump shot became a better move than a 3-foot layup. So I want you to let that sink in. I don't care how many analytics you throw at me, that is not going to work mathematically or any other way. Right? Not getting dunked on has become more important than you going up and trying to stop somebody from scoring or to try to go up there and snatch somebody's soul out of their body because you blocked their dunk, right? We used to do that kind of thing. Falling to the floor instead of finishing. You got guys now that have no intention of trying to shoot the ball, but they just go in there and they're like, if somebody bunts me, I'm going to fall on the floor and ride around in pain like I'm some damn soccer star in Europe, right? I was watching the Lakers play. They were playing Houston last night. And Vanderbilt went down. I thought he had re-hurt his leg that he's been out with his foot that he was out half the season for. He's over there grimacing and curled up in pain on the baseline. Next thing I know, when they come back from commercial, he's lined up for foul shots. I'm like, were you hurt or were you not, bro? Like, stop flopping, stop falling down. Let's be aggressive. Let's confront things, right? Now, we've got players that are doing it, and there's some guys out here who are really getting it done now. I love it. Anthony Edwards, we've all seen him. He'll go to the rack. He'll try to finish. He'll get an AM one. Jalen Duren, he doesn't care who's in front of him. He's going to try to tear the rim off. Zion, when he gets out of his head and stops trying to do what everybody says he should do, he's awesome at this. He'll go to the rack. He'll run over somebody. Now, it's tough now because a charge is a hell of a lot easier to do than it used to be. But he'll go to the rack. Bam. Bam out of bio for the Miami Heat. He is heat culture to me now, even more than Jimmy, because Jimmy will flop now. He's falling to the ground, grabbing his eye. Three or four times this season, I thought he was going to lose his eyeball because he was just acting so fucking wild about his eye getting hit. Even LeBron, I know 
I know everybody talks about LeBron flailing and doing this, that, and the other, but LeBron will finish at the rim. He will at least take it to the rim. Hell, there's plenty of players out there that have no interest in doing that. And if they do, it's only to get fouled. I'm looking at you, James Harden. I'm looking at you because we all know you ain't really trying to finish at the rim ever. So LeBron will at least take it to the rack. I think we've even – there's even numbers out there now that show when Jason Tatum takes it to the rack. Boston is a much better team, much more efficient, and they flow better. When he and, and Jalen Brown are going to the basket more, it opens it up for everybody. And that, that level of aggression just breeds more aggression. And it's confronting the defense and saying, look, I think I'm better than you. I can go over you. Now, I'm an old guy, right? I came up watching a lot of 80s and 90s basketball. I remember Sean Kemp. I know y'all remember. Dude used to do some high-flying dunks, but it was with authority. He went in there. He didn't care who was in there. Daryl Dawkins back in the day. For all of the younger guys listening to me, Kevin Garnett, prime example. Aggressive dude. Like, he went in there and he went after it. The whole thing with KG is he was super intense. And you don't see it now. Even Michael Jordan, all the theatrics and all the acrobatics he did, he was still going to the rim. Dominique down here in Atlanta, the human highlight reel, dude was getting after it. He was going to the basket. I mean, some would say it's because he couldn't shoot, but who cares? He went to the basket. He took the game to the defense. He forced it. Grant Hill would do it. He's Mr. Nice Guy, but go look at some 90s highlights early 2000s, Grant Hill would go in there and throw one down on you. And one of my favorites is the little guys, right? Allen Iverson. He would get knocked down all the time, like literally knocked down by big dudes, kept going to the basket. He never faltered on that shit. Right? John Starks, Robert Packout in Denver was a dude that would do the same thing, going in there with the Giants, confronting people. There's a level of aggression here, people, I don't know if it's because they cared more. I want to say that. I don't want to be the old man, get off my lawn guy, but that's what was happening. And right now we've got a lot of guys who are fading away, right? Fadeaways and fall downs. Anthony Davis, when you start watching the Lakers play, when he is active and going at the basket and playing defense and just being an aggressive guy overall, he's much better. The Lakers are much better. Right, Julius Randle, when he starts doing this, oh, the refs aren't calling it, oh, everybody's out to get me, I'm a victim shit, that's when they are so much worse. The Knicks need to embody more of Jalen Brunson because he'll go in there. He complains some and he'll fall a little bit, but dude goes in there and he's aggressive. And that's why I like about Josh Hart up there, right? Even when I start looking at like Cade up in, in Detroit, Look, Detroit, that season's a bit of a fucking mess anyway. But I will say this about Detroit. Cade has size to him, and Cade can get things done when he's not fading away. He needs some of whatever his teammate Jalen Duran's got because he's willing to go to the basket, and he don't give a shit. They got rid of one guy who's willing to do that, Marvin Bagley. He's not fading away. He's not flopping. And some of these guys don't even – really finish. I told you about Harden. Another one, Jordan Poole. He is not going to finish at the rim. If he's going anywhere near the lane, this dude's looking for you to bump him and then he can fall out of bounds like a rag doll. He literally flops around like sock monkey, right? 
or like one of one of my my niece's little toys and shit. You can't that if you get near him, he's just gonna fall. That's what he does. Right? Harden is another one. I'll tell you another another problem I have is some of these guys who get hurt a lot, like John Morant and, and Joel Embiid. They get hurt a lot, but they're on the floor constantly. All they do anytime they get bumped, they're hitting the floor, getting banged up, and then next thing you know, they're out for two or three games. So I think there's another reason to be aggressive, which is when you're more aggressive, you are not in, you're not taking on the punishment. You're handing it out. I think there's another issue here with confrontation. And it's how many points can I get? How much can I do to get my highlight reel going and to make sure I'm getting buckets, right? That shit don't translate into winning, though. And when you're aggressive, you're out there to win. I heard Colin Cowherd recently on one of his shows talking about guys who take pride in winning and not just the stats and not just, you know, oh, I got this MVP award, right? I'm looking at Luka, 73 the other night. We had some big scores recently. Luka got 73, MB got 70, Big Cat got 62. Now, Big Cat and them lost. So I'm not even, we'll put that one out. I won't even throw that one in, even though it's a great point maker, right? I want to look at Embiid. He got 70 against the damn Spurs. They are horrible. The Spurs are garbage. And they only beat them by 10, right? Nobody else was getting enough shots. So great for you, Embiid. You got 70. You set records. Oh, it's great. Happy for you, man. You won by 10 against a team that's garbage. Luka. Got 73 against the Hawks. Okay, let me point this out to you. The Hawks are, let's see, what's the number here? The Hawks are 29th in the league in points allowed per game. So congratulations. You beat up on your little cousin and you stomped him 11 to nothing at basketball. Good deal. Congratulations. Good job, Luca. You got 73 against a team that was garbage, and you won by five. Five points. You beat a shitty Atlanta team by five points after scoring 73. You're not going to win a championship like this. You're not. It's the problem with Luca ever since he's been in the league. You are not going to win a championship this way. Right? Okay, let's look at teams that are scoring a lot of points, right? Big-time three-point shooting teams, things like that. Golden State, right? We know they're a dumpster fire. Number eight in the league in scoring. Atlanta, number four in the league in scoring. And these guys are destined for the lottery this year. Utah, they're 11th in scoring. The Wizards are 16th. There's There's four teams in the top 16 that are absolute dumpster fires this season, but they can score. They're putting up points. Good for them, right? So that takes me to the big news of the week, which was the Bucks firing Adrian Griffin. 30 and 13 to start this season. They fired Budenholz, or they mutually agreed to part ways after last season which was a head-scratcher. He won a a title for you two years ago. You've been to the playoffs, whatever. Now you put Adrian Griffin in. He's not winning. We're going to bring in Doc Rivers, right? Because Doc Rivers is going to come in, and he's going to right the ship, and we are 
championship bound with Doc Rivers. We got Dame Lillard in the offseason. We've got Giannis. It's a perfect team for that. Hell no, it's not. Doc Rivers is just over 500 in the playoffs career. He is number 12 among active coaches in the league right now. That means there are 11 coaches currently coaching who have better records in the playoffs than Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers has one ring. One damn ring. You know who else has one ring? Nick Nurse, Ty Lue, Mike Malone, Rick Carlisle, right? These are not guys who are bad coaches necessarily. I actually think Nick Nurse is really good. I think Mike Malone is really good. They knew more with less. Doc has done the opposite. Doc has done less with more players. He's had Chris Paul. He's had Blake Griffin. He's had the original big three in Boston with KG and Ray Allen and Paul Pierce. And he had Rondo. He got Rondo to play. He's had guys multiple places. With the Sixers, he had Embiid. Everyone seems to think he's an all-timer. Great. How many championships you got with him? What did you do with Ben Simmons? Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure Doc Rivers is a great coach. I think he's a name. He's a former player, and people like him. Now, if I played the game more like that in my life, I would get further. My wife tells me all the time, Scott, you don't play the game. You're not, you know, kissing hands and shaking babies enough. So you're not getting ahead in life. Doc does it evidently. And it gets him these jobs. He's going to go to this team that's stacked with talent. They're going to underachieve. The team was not built properly. This isn't an Adrian Griffin problem. This isn't a Mike Budenholzer problem. This is an organizational problem, right? They brought in old people. I'm talking about you, Dame Lillard. They kept old guys, Lopez, Chris Middleton, Connerton, Jay Crowder. All of these are very nice guys and very nice pieces on a team that had younger pieces. You got rid of your defensive player. You got rid of your aggressor. The only aggressor they have on this team anymore, really, is Giannis. Because Dane plays a passive style, right? Jump shots, he'll occasionally drive, but it's more or less that. He doesn't play defense, so that's another level of aggression he's lacking. So part of the reason he got fired was you're not playing defense. Well, how can you with this squad? Defense and age do not work well together. You're not going to be a good defensive team if you are an old team. Sometimes if you're a very young team, but definitely as an old team, you're not going to do it. Defense is want, desire, and athletic ability. The ability to be quick, strong, jump high, fast, whatever you want to call it. They don't have that, right? The Bucks, they're old and bad, 24th in points, points allowed. Suns, 15th in points allowed. The Warriors are 22nd in points allowed. Once again, Milwaukee's an old team allowing people to score. So I don't know what you think Doc's going to do to make this happen. Maybe you couldn't make the kind of player personnel trades you needed to during the season, so you're doing this with Doc. Maybe you never liked Adrian Griffin. Maybe you didn't think you could get the coach you wanted in the offseason. I don't know. I'm just an average white fan. Nobody gives me these internal insights. But I'm telling you from life experience and from watching this for years, the problem is not on the bench. The problem is in the front office because y'all are making the decisions about who is going to be on the bench. Right? 
Speaking of defense, and speaking of defense being an aggression or a confrontational thing, which I, I'm going to put this out there for everyone. I'm not great at confrontation myself, right? You know, if there's an argument to be had, usually I just mumble under my breath and I'm going about my business. But in this league, with this kind of stakes on the line, you've got to be aggressive. You've got to confront your problems, whether it be a team in the offseason or or players on the court. You've got to confront these things. So I want to look at the good defensive teams and the bad defensive teams, and let's take a look at how they're faring. So we've got some young and good defensive squads out there. The Rockets, they're number 11 in the league. They were horrible last year. I think they're allowing like seven or eight less points this season. It's personnel, it's coaching, it's a little bit of everything, but they have got a good young squad that's good at going out there and getting after it. And I believe they have enough older leadership to really point them in the right direction. But if you watch them play, it's not Van Vliet out there running up and down the floor getting in front of guards. It's the young guys. It's Jalen Green and even Dylan Brooks, even though he's not super young, he's still getting in the mix. The Magic, who are my favorites for a most improved team this year, they are sixth in the league in points allowed. They play strong. They play physical. They get in the mix and – even though they have lapses at times, they are still very locked in defensively. The Knicks, and this is I was surprised to find this out because I'm not a fan of their full roster, but the Knicks are number two in the league in points allowed. I don't I don't think that's that's by chance. They've got a gritty squad. Outside of Julius Randle, who I think does not have the grit in him, they have guys who are willing to get after it, mix it up. I think that's why they got rid of R.J. Barrett. They wanted to get some guys with a little bit of swag to them and, and a little bit of fuck you to them. And New York team should have that. So I'm very, very proud of where they are. As I said, the Mavs are 21st in the league in defense. You can see it. Even with Luka's fadeaway and the little slow shit he does and – He's he's the he's like the platinum version of what Kyle Anderson does. Very slow, very plodding. Luke is not really that fun to watch unless he's dishing out passes. And they don't play defense. You got Kyrie, but you still you can't seem to stop anybody. You haven't made it a priority. And you haven't put young guys on the team to do that. You've got two guys on that team, the two stars, who are not interested in stopping anyone. The Pacers, they're 28th in the league. I had hoped they would be better once they did this, but once they did the trade and whatnot, I just don't think that they're going to do that this year. I don't know that Carlisle can get them to buy in, but we're going to see them fade later because they're not able to stop anyone and it's going to kill any playoff opportunities they have. The Pelicans are 14th, which is about average. That's a team that's just wishy-washy anyway. Some, some games they're aggressive, which is when I think that they can do – that's when I think they're able to actually come through. That's, that's why they're in the middle of the pack. Other games, they are very passive, and they don't seem to know what to do on defense. So <clears> – <throat> and the Hawks, 29th in defense, like I said. They are probably one of the least aggressive teams. They have absolutely no edge, and it shows. And they've got young guys. So the Hawks, I think – in the truest history of Atlanta, I think we need to burn them down and rebuild. So now I don't think it's, it's a coinky dink either that Minnesota is the number one team in points allowed 
They are very good defensively. They are very aggressive on offense. They force the issue. I know they're getting a lot of of publicity. I know they're getting a lot of pub and, and a lot of attention. I don't know that they're getting enough, though. Anthony Edwards is doing some special shit up there, and he's a throwback player. I love his aggression. I love the way he takes it to these guys. He is unapologetically coming out there saying, I'm the next star, and I love it. This is a team you should really you should really jump out there and watch if you have lead pass, catch them some nights. They're a fun watch, without a doubt. So, so yeah, I, in closing, I just have to say, I, I enjoy a more aggressive league. I enjoy more shots around the rim. I enjoy dunks getting blocked. Fouls called on layups. I see too many seven-footers who are getting the ball by the rim, and they're missing layups. And I'm trying to figure out why they're not trying to dunk the ball, why they're not going in. I don't give a damn about a charge. If you're being aggressive, you're going to win. All right. So this week, the teams to watch this week, the games to watch this week, I've got a handful that you need to check out. Wednesday night, I'm not going to be able to catch this one because I have some other stuff going on Wednesday night, but I'm going to tape it. Kings are playing the Heat. Uh, Sabonis and Bam, I like that matchup, although I think Bam is way more aggressive and way more physical. Sabonis is going to flop a lot. We'll see what happens with that. And finally, Herter and Hero are going to have two guys. They, they can guard each other. Thursday night, Pacers at the Knicks. Okay. Pacers don't play any defense. The Knicks play really good defense. This is going to be fun because there's no Julius Randle. So I think Siakam and Turner will have fun inside. But let's see what Jalen Brunson does against the guards for the Pacers. Will Halley be back? Buddy Heald, I think he's going to probably have another one for seven night or whatever the hell he did the other night. Friday night, the Magic are playing the T-Wolves. Okay, This is going to be, for any of you people that are my age, in your mid to late 40s, if you came up in the 90s watching basketball, catch the Magic and the T-Wolves on Friday night. This is going to be the aggression match. They're going to be fighting each other. They're going to be, there's going to be some bruises the next night. Hard fouls. Over-unders, probably two and a half flagrant fouls in this game. Somebody might get tossed. I'm here for it. I'm watching that one Friday night without a doubt. Saturday. Lakers are going to be at the Knicks. Anytime LeBron's in New York, I think it's an event. It's going to be cold as shit because it always is in New York this time of year. Guards and the big men are going to have fun. I think D'Angelo Russell and Brunson, that's going to be an interesting matchup because I think Brunson's going to push him around all night. And I also want to see if the big men for New York can do something with AD because he's kind of like a puppy, right? If you, if you push him around a little bit, he'll just kind of tuck his tail and go over in the corner. So, if the bigs for the Knicks come out and, and want to push them around, I, I think they might take the Lakers. But the Lakers need these games. The Lakers are looking like hot garbage at times. A 500 record is not going to do much in the West. I got a, a plan B game for Saturday night, Bucks and the Mavs. Mavs ain't going to stop anybody from dealing the Bucks. I don't know. I want to watch this game just to see – the whole Luca versus, I guess, Bobby Portis might guard him. I don't know. That one might be fun to watch. Clippers at the Heat on Sunday. Okay. This is going to be an interesting one, too. We got no football that day, so I'm totally going to get involved with that. 
The Clippers are the shiny object right now. Everybody's on them. They think that, oh, the Clippers, they're, they're finally coming together. I don't trust them, all right? The Clippers, in my mind, they are that, that uncle, that cousin, that brother that just got out of rehab, and they're going to meetings, and everything's cool. Everybody's happy. It's all good. We're all holding hands, and, and we're, we're enjoying this moment. But I don't trust them. All right, the Clippers are not going to come through for you. Do not, do not put money on them. And I think the Heat are going to make this one ugly. They're going to bang with them. They're not going to let them do all this smooth sailing shit that they do, flying through the lane. They're going to knock people down. Uh, Monday, the Clippers are coming to Atlanta to play the Hawks. No D, no problem. We're going to just run and gun. So if you want to see some shooting, some scoring, and probably not a lot of defense blocking fouls, any of that, check out the Clips and the Hawks on Monday. So just remember as you're watching the games this week, look at look and see who you see on your favorite team or on the games that you're watching. Who do you see that's being more aggressive? Who do you see that's taking it to the other team? I want to hear from you. I'm recording this one this time on video, so maybe you can see it on YouTube. Maybe you'll see it on Instagram. Please like and share the podcast. Give me your comments suggestions follow me do all those things subscribe whatever you got to do whatever you got to do so enjoy the basketball this week i am scott elmore from the average white fan we'll see you next week